And welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is March 1st, 2017. This is the 14th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. So yes, it is March. That means the spring game onslaught is soon about to begin. And you know whether you're playing Horizon right now, Horizon Zero Dawn while you're listening to this, or if you're uh, waiting for Nintendo Switch, we're about 30 hours out from the midnight launch as of this recording. That's exciting. Or if you're listening to it post-launch and you're playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I hope this episode finds you well. We're going to get to the main topic, though, here to start things off, and it's actually not about Sony, it's not about Nintendo, it's about Microsoft, who decided to make some news about announcing the Xbox Game Pass. So this was announced yesterday from the Xbox Newswire, Phil Spencer, quote, saying that Xbox Game Pass is a new gaming subscription service coming later this spring. Xbox Game Pass gives you unlimited access to over 100 Xbox One and backward-compatible Xbox 360 games, all for $9.99 a month, end quote. Some of the games that are featured in the advertising, the marketing for this new subscription service, you have Halo 5 Guardians, Gears of War Ultimate Edition, NBA 2K16, Payday 2, Soul Calibur 2, Fable 3, and more. It's important to note that these games would be downloaded to your Xbox One and not streamed. Also, the games that would be updated and possibly cycled out, they'd be available for discount on the Xbox Store. So if your membership lapsed or you decided not to pay anymore, they would be available for purchase just at a discounted rate. Also, players with Xbox Live Gold will be able to use the service first, just before its full rollout to the entire Xbox family. Now, this has potentially huge industry ramifications. Essentially, this is being seen as the Netflix for games, where a monthly membership opens you up to a large game library of current generation and last gen titles. Now, obviously, it's a direct challenge at PlayStation Now, uh, Sony's Gaikai service, the game streaming service. But there are some big differences because PlayStation Now only includes PlayStation 3 games, not PlayStation 4. It's $19.99 a month, or $45 for three months. And this is even coming after a horrendous rental pricing per game when the service launched. I mean, yeah, to, to give a subscription service now, it's, it's nice, but this Xbox Game Pass directly challenges this PlayStation Now price. Also, PlayStation Now, those games are streamed, not downloaded. I mean, the gameplay is then reliant on a steady and dependable connection. So Game Pass here for Xbox could force changes with how their primary competitor tackles this space, and that's a big deal. But I think it's very important to keep an eye on how Nintendo in particular responds. I mean, after the blowback that they've had of announcing, oh, there's a paid online plan, but there's one free game per month, you don't keep the game, but it might have additional features, keep an eye on how the virtual console could maybe take a similar subscription approach if this Xbox Game Pass takes off and does well in the spring. I mean, could you imagine Nintendo's back catalog opened up and monetized in this way? I mean, years of history, official emulation, 
taken on the go with the Nintendo Switch. I mean, that has the potential to be remarkable. Of course, this Xbox Game Pass is taking a page from EA Access, and that's the app that's been Xbox One exclusive for quite some time. It's the whole $5 a month subscription service. It's a catalog of EA games that several months, maybe a year after the EA game comes out, it gets put on that service. Now, EA Access also on PC where they have Origin, but maybe Xbox has done some you know, analysis, some analytics to see how well this service has done. And maybe they're saying, huh, we want to try this and kind of mix things up because as we talked about last episode, that's a unit that needs a revitalization in the industry. It's not doing much as far as innovating. And this, this is some innovation. But an interesting side effect here is that GameStop's stock has dropped by 8% since this announcement, or at least the day of. And that's that's shocking. I mean, this is even after reports are saying that their quality of life initiative won't affect individual employees anymore. It'd be more like store-wide goals. And so that kind of bought them some goodwill a little bit, but this is a direct challenge to the used games market to say that, oh, just pay a monthly fee and we'll open up this huge back catalog of games that you could probably get for used at GameStop, but not anymore. Just download them right to your system. It's that digital future. Microsoft had to clarify in a statement that Oh, GameStop's an important partner. We'll sell Game Pass memberships in GameStop, you know, have it be front-facing the customer. I mean, this is saving face when that could also really be done digitally. It's just trying to, I guess, maintain that partnership, but it's just more signs on the wall that GameStop's future as a company could be in trouble. Ultimately, this is still hindered, though, by the internet infrastructure, at least in the United States, possibly worldwide. But when you're talking about game downloads and how... The sizes add up very quickly, especially in an age of data caps and throttles. I mean, that's already one of the biggest hindrances to an all-digital future to begin with. And, you know, just to say, well, you can download as many games as you like with this subscription service. I mean, that's going to add up real quick. But also, some analysts are concerned over this possibly triggering a race to the bottom in the console game space. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term race to the bottom, it's a concept that kind of really began formulating in the early days of mobile games on iPhone's App Store. I mean, back then it was you know common sense, common practice to charge for what was then seen as a premium product. But you know, as the competition grew, companies wanted to try to lower prices say, oh, well, you know, you're selling this game for $10, but what if I sold this game for $5? Oh, what if I sold it for $250? A dollar. And it got to the point where to try to get attention on the app store, but also to get audience sales, it got to the point where the prices got lowered and lowered and lowered. And now you're at this free to play, free or bust mentality. And the audience the consumer gets acclimated to that. And that's seen as a norm. We even saw it when Nintendo tried to produce a premium quality title like Super Mario Run and the audience said, well, you have the gall to charge $10 for that. How dare you? This should be free because that's what I'm used to as a mobile game consumer. To have, I mean, games on console go that way is a little scary when you think that games are cheaper than ever before. And we're already seeing decreased prices, especially on digital storefronts. I mean, you see Steam sales, you see PlayStation Flash sales, Xbox Live Gold sales. They're trying to squeeze out those last sales on that figurative tail end of a game's life cycle by, you know, discounting the game so much. 
uh, and then you're adding this into the equation, that could be a little scary. I mean, what's next? I mean, oh, will PlayStation say, oh, well, we're only uh, $7.50 a month and you can access PlayStation 4 and PS3 games. And Xbox says, well, okay, well, we'll include our old Xbox games. Like, Generation, we'll find some way to back... I mean, when you have a competitive market like this and everyone's trying to one-up each other, it does maybe become that race to the bottom and you hope that games don't become free to play in, in a way. So ultimately, is Xbox Game Pass going to be something that you need? Well, it depends. I mean, people play games differently. People have different interests in what kind of games they play. I mean, consider this. This may not be for the player that tries to stay current, stay in the conversation, playing the newest games, ideally. And those wouldn't appear on the service for quite some time, these new games. They have to squeeze and milk that $60 price point, after all. But Xbox Game Pass, as it's being advertised at least, is just a brilliant idea for late console adopters just trying to fill the games that they missed from the first party. I mean, you're talking about Halo 5 Guardians, Gears of War Ultimate Edition right off the bat, and there's more to come. I mean, just think about it that way. But also for those that are looking for choice to fill their backlog, there's there's a lot there. And I think that's a lot of potential. I think this is possibly a way that we'll be playing games in the future. Sure, you know, start out with the new games. They have their time, you know, six months maybe. Then maybe they become added to a kind of subscription service. And this is maybe the start of that. It's it's really interesting to see and be on the ground level of it that you know this is this is brand new. And when it all circles back to Microsoft, when you consider the possibility of something like this being adapted for Windows 10 PCs, so with the fusion of Windows 10 on console, on PC. Plus, with today's announcement at GDC, so that's that's going on, uh, the, today's announcement of mixed reality experiences, which I guess is a definition encompassing augmented reality and or virtual reality, mixed reality experiences coming to the Xbox platform, Xbox One, Scorpio, what have you, in 2018? Well, Microsoft's future plans are starting to coalesce. Ultimately, we'll see more at E3 2017. We'll see more about Xbox Game Pass in the spring. This may be just the beginning of a new way that we play games. So that's what I have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say too. That's all when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. I don't know if you uh, saw this at GDC from the coverage today, but there was a Zelda panel that went on. It was the developers of Breath of the Wild talking about some of their development ideas, some really interesting stuff. I mean, you were seeing emails from Aonuma to some of the members of the team saying, oh, uh, we're going to develop for Switch now. Good luck. Oh, and by the way, we're going to try to have it make launch too. And it's like, oh, man. Imagine the day when that came down. That's got to be something. But more importantly, they were prototyping ideas for Breath of the Wild in this kind of 2D sort of Zelda 1-like simulation in a way. And a lot of people are looking at that and wondering, so when are we getting a Zelda maker? Because that's just begging to happen. Uh, that, that needs to be eventually made. I just saw that, thought it'd be really interesting to just bring up as a point in the uh, yeah, I, I really want a Zelda maker. Just even if it's dungeons, just that'd be really neat. Anyway, let's get to the callers here. We're uh, 
only so far out of Nintendo's Switch launch, and it's the last show before the Switch comes out in the wild. Should be the breath of the wild. Should be interesting to hear what you guys have to talk about. Joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru 64. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Nice to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's on your mind? What would you like to talk about today? I would like to talk about the indie showcase that Nintendo had uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, how you shouldn't uh, be sleeping on uh, all these titles that they announced. You should probably pick them up. If not at once, then soon after, because they're really, really great games. Yeah, they really expanded uh, the Switch game library, at least plans for 2017, because most of those were just saying, oh, it'll be in 2017 or summer 2017, which is fine. But then I think what was the most interesting thing is that a lot of companies now had license to say, hey, we're working on Switch games or we're porting our game to Switch or we're doing this. And so it was more than 60 games, 60 Nindies, which I think is just a weird amalgamation of words, but Nintendo indie games uh, that got announced yesterday and so that that really grew the library some of them on launch most of them for the rest of 2017 what were some of your most anticipated indie games or what were the things in that showcase that made you the most excited well uh fast omx is like f-zero gx Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's better than f-zero gx just because you have to uh find boost powers all over the place and uh, switch from blue to orange mm-hmm. but it is a comparable right up there with F-Zero GX and, well, absolutely yeah yeah and you should really pick this up I mean, yeah you have four player split screen that still keeps the 60 frames per second I think it goes back to the whole idea of if Nintendo won't make it why can't we I mean, yeah, yeah, it won't have Captain Falcon, it won't have the characters and whatnot, but yeah. we want to create a similar experience. And uh, yeah, they they worked well with Nintendo for Fast Racing Neo. So, I mean, another game and it's hitting Switch launch. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, to go off uh, your way of uh, people wanting to make games that Nintendo won't make, War Groove is just like Advance Wars. It's totally like so, Advance Wars, absolutely. Yeah. So if you're really into Advance Wars and really want that uh, next generation of Advance Wars, then War Groove is what you really want. I was looking at that first at, uh, at War Groove, and I almost thought just Fire Emblem at first. Like, do we need another Fire Emblem-like game? But as someone who did not play Advance Wars, uh, to see a lot of people on the internet kind of making that comparison. I mean, yeah, that's that's exciting. It's it's taking yeah. old ideas and kind of breathing a bit of life into it without the IP, but the idea and the gameplay still lives on. Yeah, I just uh, picked up Advance Wars on my uh, Wii U when it uh, came out for the Wii U because mm-hmm. I, I've never played Advance Wars either, and it pulled me in for quite a while, and then I just never finished it. <laughs> right, right. And then... um. Is it flipping death? Yeah, if never, yeah. If you never uh, played uh, Stick It to the Man, a really interesting art style and uh, mechanics in that game, and uh, that looks almost identical to this game. So if you want more of that, then you should really uh, look into flipping death. It kind of reminded me of a mix of like... 
a double fine game, some like Grim Fandango inspirations, kind of like this adventure yeah. game where you're going yeah. around talking to people, you're playing with the idea of death, except yeah, from life into death, you know, when you're when you're dead, you can interact with the real world and kind of flip uh, your side. It was a really, really neat idea. Very cool. And I think it's from the same developers from Stick It to the Man. I think it's all voice acting. So mm-hmm. if that uh, tickles your fancy, then pick that up too. For sure. I, I don't. I don't think it's coming at launch, but it's coming close to it. I think. Yeah, I think they said 2017 on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And then uh, Snake Pass is another great uh, game if you re- really uh, are looking for ukulele type gameplay. It's not exactly like ukulele but it's more its own thing with the snake it definitely has the artistic style for it i mean grant kirkhope doing the composition that's always a good sign uh and and i've been watching uh the developers on twitch and they really uh it really looks great very cool that's that's nice that they're getting out there and kind of advertising their game that way that's smart of them yeah and SteamWorld Dig. If you have never played SteamWorld Dig, then SteamWorld Dig Two is really uh, great. Yeah, uh, I've heard it, I've heard very good things about that game. I think I also have it on PlayStation. Yeah, it, it came out there. You should you should totally play it. It's probably three four hours at length, but definitely uh, pick that up if you never played SteamWorld Dig because SteamWorld Dig Two is looking to play similarly if not the exact same <laughs> but yeah very cool i mean i remember the developers they're making videos and they had you know like amiibo teases or that was probably like some custom someone made there so we knew that they were making some sort of sequel but it was nice to have that kind of yeah. get off and start that showcase right out with the bang it was it was good it just really goes to show that i mean nintendo is doing a great job with with these indies they're developing good partnerships and it's going to help them in the long run because i mean nintendo's also surely you know setting up their first party library uh, yeah. to kind of roll out those games but when you're not necessarily getting the the ports or the partnerships with the big third parties that are trying to push those graphic and powerhouse boundaries that you're going to need those indie games it's going to be really really important and you know now that they're they have uh, unreal engine 4 support they have unity support uh they're trying to make it as developer friendly as possible they get the those developers on board. To, I think the portability, it's its where it really comes in handy, just the portability aspect for these games. Some of them can mix in multiplayer. It's its really a big sell. Yeah. And then uh, you got Overcooked and uh, Jackbox uh, Party Pack 3 and uh, Stardew Valley. I mean, yeah, those those are huge. To, yeah, for those, those to huge. come, those are, those are really big. Stardew in particular... Uh, I'm yeah. a big proponent of the Jackbox games. I really, really love yeah. those. So to see Party Pack 3, the best Party Pack of the three, to see that yeah. come there, like yeah. that's that's a big get uh, yeah. to play that on the go. Hopefully, you know, with some Wi-Fi there, that's that's a lot of fun, a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Overcooked, I mean, I hear great things about Overcooked. And I, also I, really important about Overcooked too, I think, is, you know, the, the talk of the HD Rumble support. Yeah. Because... The, you know, not many games I would imagine would try to tackle new technology like that. But when they're talking about feeling the chop of the tomatoes or the soup sloshing there, like that's that's a bold developer move. And kudos to them. Looking at all these titles uh, that 
coming to the Switch. It's mind blowing that nobody's talking about these <laughs> titles and just uh, saying, "Oh, the Switch doesn't have any titles at launch. Don't buy it." And like, no, it, it has titles at launch. It's just all digital. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I know it's it's a good point, and I I think it's yeah, people are just have to wait for the Zelda hype to kind of die down before you start to look at the rest of the library and see where that stands. And of course the Nintendo first parties are going to be the big headline gets, but yeah, to, to have a system flesh out like that, it's, it's basically saying that it's a successor to the Vita in an odd way where, yeah, yeah, you have the first party support, which only lasted so long on Vita for what it's worth, but (laughs) it became a great place to play indie games and smaller games and to have that strong, powerful portable system as someone who loves the Vita, it's it's really good to see. It's going to be a really, really good system for indie games. And yeah. you know, some of the appeal may be just to sit at a computer and play it. But to play some of those games, not to sound like Shakira, but whenever, wherever, uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's a very enticing proposition. Yeah, exactly. All right. Video Game Guru 64, we are so close to Nintendo Switch. Where is your excitement level at? Um, 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10 is a... A good way to put it. Uh, should be very exciting. Hopefully, all goes well for well, you. Oh, on oh, 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 more actually, uh, fifteen out of ten. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you, even more. <laughs> I hope everything goes well for you. And it was a. Uh, I was trying to sort out my pre-order situation yesterday, and uh, Amazon yeah. had a just a colossal server meltdown. Just made huge waves and big news in the tech world. I mean, Dropbox also yeah. affected us. Their their cloud servers, and so there was a time yeah. where. I couldn't access my Amazon orders, and that's where I had my uh, backup Switch and Zelda Special Edition pre-order. Yeah, and I'm like, it's going to be charged tomorrow. Like, I need to cancel today. Like, where is my order? Oh, fortunately, no. cri- yeah, fortunately, crisis averted. Not on the hook for an extra four hundred dollars or so. But uh, okay. hopefully, everything goes smoothly with you. I know we both have a uh, Best Buy pre-orders, and hopefully, they don't uh, yeah. screw us over here. But oh, well, uh, I just uh, called. You confirm my Best Buy pre-order yesterday, so very good. And they said it's all coming in, so all right, should be yeah. exciting. You know, midnight launch, or even if you just pick up the morning after, should be should be great. Uh, people can yeah. find you on Twitter at Video Game Guru sixty four. Yeah, you can find me on the Switch or on the Wii U at Video Game Guru sixty four too. Yeah, so. send the friend request your way. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for calling in. You have a great night. Yep, you too. And joining us from New Jersey, Matt, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hey, hey. Hey, well, what happy are you... Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy uh, almost 24 hours to Switch midnight launch. Uh, what are your... It's uh, Good Friday. Yeah, well, that's who we're going That's right, today is Ash Wednesday. I just was too busy. We're eating the the punchkis, which is the jelly filled donuts for Mardi Gras. It's a it's a big thing Wait, here. Shit, is it actually is it actually Ash Wednesday? Today is actually Ash Wednesday. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. So, so to all the Christians out there, sorry. Um, yeah, I was I was just more focused on eating jelly filled donuts that are popular at least in this part of the country. What are your switch plans? Uh, are you are you getting one or waiting? I have it fully paid off. I just nice. gotta walk in the store and pick it up. Very good. Where are you picking it up from? Uh, GameStop near me. They're doing a midnight launch. Very good. And I don't have to be at work till eleven. That's so awesome. 
the latest that I have to wake up to uh, get ready to leave and be at work on time is 10 o'clock. So uh, I figure I can stay up until 5 a.m. before I'm going to want to kill myself. <laughs> Five hours of sleep is about that threshold. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, that goes well and smoothly for you. What did you want to talk about today? Uh, so a couple of big shakeups in the VR world. Um, I've long maintained the fact that regardless of which of the major VR headsets right now is better, the one that's going to ultimately win the war is going to be the one that makes it affordable, the one mm -hmm. that makes it you know really easy for the average person to buy into it. Right, and, and you had PlayStation seen... VR uh, just you know put out sales figures say it's nine hundred fifteen thousand units sold, and that surprises Sony even. I mean that's oh, that yeah. bodes well for a, a system that's you know four hundred dollars, and then you add the PS4 on top of it as opposed to higher priced machines, higher priced PCs. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Yeah, I don't see the PSVR as being a direct competitor to Oculus and uh, Vive mm -hmm. because I see it I see it kind of along the the lines of the way that I see Nintendo products. They're really, mm. really good at what they do, but they don't do so much that you can get by without one of the others. Yeah, it's a good point when you're comparing between, you know, the, the 3D space, especially now when Oculus adds the touch controllers and Vive had the room scale VR for, you know, ever since it's launched. But yeah, PSVR is still, you know, sitting and using the move controllers. And I think it's got a big potential when you're talking about, you know, Sony's partnerships with music, possibly doing events. I mean, they have that Sony theater out in New York. So I think that's that's potential there. But when it comes to games, yeah, it's the high end stuff's going to be on Vive and Oculus. The first party funding that Sony gives PSVR makes it a very unique experience that, you know, you're going to get real good things from that that you're not going to get from Oculus and Vive. But Oculus and Vive are both on an open PC platform. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I see the PlayStation VR as being a different beast entirely. When it comes to Oculus and Vive, they need to be the first one to be affordable. And they both took big steps towards that within the past couple of days. Oculus today just announced a price drop on a bundle for the Oculus Rift headset and the touch controllers. So I believe I don't have any device in front of me right now to actually check the numbers. I believe it was $600 now for both the headset and the controllers. I think that's right. I just remember the story being that it's a $200 price drop. Yes. I don't remember the old price. I don't know if that's 200 from just the base model without the controllers but either way it's a pretty significant price drop yes that's right a uh, total for the complete system 598 dollars that's not bad um vive meanwhile htc has set up a financing price plan so that instead of paying all in one big sum you can spread it out in payments across the year um and that is payments of about $60 over 12 months with 0% APR. Mm -hmm. It ends up being a bit more expensive than the uh, than Oculus is at right now. But what it means is that it's in much smaller chunks that are a lot easier for the average person to take out of their wallet every month. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, it, HTC, a phone company, they're already very familiar with that kind of pricing scheme. Absolutely. So... I've got the numbers here. So, so, you know, HTC Vive with its, you know, room scale controllers and all that still sticking right now with the 799 price point. We'll see if they drop mm -hmm. that in response to uh, Oculus Rift and its touch controllers. <laughs> uh, but the 0% financing scheme with monthly payments of $138 plus tax and shipping installed over six months 
or if you do 12 months, it's $66.58. You also have a 7.99% plan for $40.13 a month over two years. That's pretty significant. I, I don't see the two-year one being a good deal at all. It's only yeah, $20 you, less per month than you're spending a lot more money. Yeah, exactly. You're getting – it's kind of like when you're you know, renting furniture from like a rent center or something like that. Like you're, you may think you're getting a good deal, but when you're paying it out over so long, like you're kind of getting hosed there. They got to make money somehow. Yeah. You know, having an, uh, an option over a longer period of time with a little bit of interest, I'm not terribly opposed to that, but that's a lot of interest. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's it's a good idea to try to mix up that industry to kind of get you know the think, the barrier entry down a little bit. I think that's what they need because right now, assuming you already have a gaming PC, which is a huge financial investment in itself, getting a VR headset is at minimum six hundred dollars right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's really cost prohibitive for the average person. That's more than any gaming console. So I think that Vive stepping towards having it be split up into smaller, uh, more palatable numbers, uh, I think that might be what they need to really get the ball rolling. I was already planning on getting a Vive anyway when I when it was finally time, but like this is this really just kind of seals the deal that it'll be maybe even earlier than I expected. So I think that my money goes to Vive having the upper hand here. Um, but I think that Oculus is still a strong player. Uh, they have obviously a lot of Facebook money behind them that they can do pretty much anything they want to try to cut the legs off Vive. But I think that the more significant move is having the financing plan. Oh, definitely, definitely. And as someone who uh, lives in a house with someone who bought uh, a VR system, it was an HTC Vive, so that's the one I have experience playing. Like, I think that's a great piece of tech. A great machine. So that's the one I would generally lean towards. But it's good to see, at least for the PC uh, VR developers, like basically the open <laughs> VR platform that they're getting behind. Like it's essentially like they're trying to make it easier so that you have, you know, I mean, there, there may be some exclusives here and there. I mean, that's, you know, Valve is apparently working on three VR games because they got to be working on something over there. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they, much else. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they, uh, they would probably be publishing those specifically on Vive. But for most third parties, at least working on VR games, you'd imagine that they want those on both platforms. And so I guess there's this open VR sort of development software that's making it easier for just to go between both. And like that's that's actually really what it needs, just to kind of have it become more ubiquitous just overall. And you know they, they can try to compete with each other, but it's still a very early and fledgling industry and it's still a new way to play games. So it needs all the growth that it can get. And, you know, maybe it's not yet time to totally start, you know, bickering over sales, but just get more people in the door. Yeah. You know, hopefully it'll take off soon. I don't think we'll see like really widespread VR for at least another two years at minimum, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're starting to see the beginnings of it. We're st- It's starting to move out from the top percent of people that are really really into it down to the higher enthusiast crowd and then we'll start to see it move into mass market soon-ish enough yeah i think you'll get mass market when you get those more just visual experiences that aren't necessarily games uh whether it's you know live events or things like that i I think that's where it'll really take off with mass market and facebook i think is just mostly interested for at least they've said in the past for you know family interactions 
kind of almost like a <laughs> Skype like sort of thing where you both put on your headset and it's all oh, it's like you're both there. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, as far as games go, I mean, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard was a big example of how you could get a console light game, you know, a long experience working pretty well on, on PlayStation VR at least. And apparently they have the exclusivity for about a year for that. So it'll be about another year or so before it comes to PC and I'm sure it'll be on Vive and Oculus. Uh, that'll be exciting, but just, yeah, I, I still don't think, you know, and you probably agree with me too. I mean, 2017, you know, it's, it's still a very early year for games and we're not going to see necessarily that, you know, the killer app per se, but it's, it, yeah, it takes time. Yeah. It, it takes time and, and they need to build that audience for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a big step and it's going to be an important part in, you know, VR's history when you talk about, you know, a big price drop for Oculus and then this new way of, of financing a, such a, a big system for HTC Vive. That's, that's, those are big steps. Honestly, if this works really well with Vive, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that financing plan move over into other sorts of technology. I'm yeah, surprised I mean, it hasn't already. Yeah, and big gaming PCs, it's just, you know, to try to kind of manage both if you want that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it's kind of astonishing to me. Like I've I've never pieced together that the phone that I'm using right now was about eight hundred dollars, but I'm paying <laughs> for it in such small amounts that it never it never felt like eight hundred dollars. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. It's pretty remarkable. Well, thank you for calling in. I know you're stepping away from work, stepping outside. We're getting a little bit of wind there, so apologies if everyone found <laughs> if anyone found that objectionable. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Who knows? I'm not really doing anything on the internet right now. My greatest contribution to the internet right now is last night I was messing around in the Overwatch uh, custom browser making a new game mode, and it ended up being pretty fun. Nice. That's pretty cool. So your current Twitter, though, is have you have you moved over to the Grimace name or... Yeah, it's uh, Grimace Duminous because there was one too many characters in there for Twitter's limit. Mm, interesting. So it, that's uh, in place of the, it's do, D-U. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Have a happy switch day. Don't don't die. Be, you'll be okay for work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks. I'll see you. All right. When we come back, we'll talk more about Nindies, but I'll give you my top five takeaways from that Nintendo Indie Showcase. That's when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. You can find a new video game music top 10 playlist from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over on youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. So let's get back to Nintendo. We talked about Nindies or Nintendo Indies with Video Game Guru 64 earlier in the show. I touched on a couple of my big takeaways, but I wanted to kind of go over these ideas in full. Uh, my top five takeaways from the Nintendo Indie Showcase. Uh, number five here, I think it's refreshing that we're seeing exclusives, even if these ports were inevitable. So, of course, Nintendo Switch was going to have the big first-party Nintendo games. But when it came to Indies, yeah, we knew that they were going to have some partnerships and uh, we'll get them moved over to the Switch. One way I was actually surprised that we did not see really anything about was uh, Severed from Drinkbox Studios. I mean, with Guacamelee and, you know, we were seeing Severed on Wii U, we saw it on PlayStation Vita, but 
kind of surprising not to see Severed on a Nintendo Switch as well, but maybe an announcement is coming for that as well. Though Severed, uh, part of the free PlayStation games, the free PS Plus games from March. So I'm excited for that one on PlayStation Vita. Not the only time to play it, but still. Uh, the exclusives on Nintendo Switch, though, very good for indies. Uh, really surprising to see Runner 3 announced, uh, you know, the Bit Trip Runner games. So Commander Video is back and uh, yeah, Runner 3 to be a Nintendo Switch exclusive. That's a pretty good get. Uh, you also have Pocket Rumble, which is a console exclusive. I mean, I imagine that's also gonna be on PC, kind of this uh, black and white kind of 2D fighter. That's exciting. And Blaster Master Zero. Blaster Master coming up back from the past. Uh, this is Inti Creates, so the development studio behind Mighty Number no. 9. So I, hopefully they do a good job. I mean, the gameplay looked actually pretty fun, honestly, to kind of give a little bit of rejuvenation to Blaster Master. And that one will also be on 3DS as well. So it's a Nintendo exclusive as opposed to that. So, I mean, good console exclusives there, at least from these nindies. And then you have games like Goner, Graceful Explosion Machine, which that's a great name for a game. Mr. Shifty. Uh, which kind of looks Hotline Miami-like, but it's, you know, different developers and all. And then you also have Shakedown Hawaii. And this is the spiritual successor to Retro City Rampage. Same developers. That's a pretty cool name, Shakedown Hawaii. These are timed exclusives on Nintendo Switch. So even just for a little bit, like these kind of deals, Nintendo needs to put in place. And it's refreshing to see them get indie exclusives, not just, you know, oh, first party or anything like that. Number four, as we mentioned earlier, Wargroove is capitalizing on the Advance Wars nostalgia, and that's okay. Uh, you know, if Nintendo won't make the gameplay or just come out with another Advance Wars game, you know, then someone else should, and someone else has. It's, it's very reminiscent, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, it looks, to me, a lot like Fire Emblem because you're kind of involving, oh, they're at war and you have different factions. Uh, but, you know... For those that have played Advance Wars, which I have not, a lot of people online saying that this is Advance Wars. They're basically making Advance Wars without the Advance Wars IP. And like, that's great. You know, it continues the trend of borrowed concepts that we've seen from Mighty Number no. 9 for Mega Man, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night for Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Ukulele for Banjo Kazooie. Now you're seeing Wargroove for Advance Wars. And it's a good trend to continue. I mean, yeah, also, we also mentioned uh, Fast RMX. Uh, you know, the Fast Racing Neo kind of taking off the F-Zero sort of gameplay. I think even Fast RMX, if I'm not mistaken, has the uh, the announcer from F-Zero X to kind of try to bring that back even more. So I think it's a good trend to see, assuming that, you know, it's executed well. I mean, you know, for better or for worse, we can point to Mighty Number no. 9 and say that's not the, the best example. But to have these kind of concepts come back in a new way, not being tied to the IP, I, that's that's great for gaming. And it's... it has a lot of nostalgia and it gives them a good audience to kind of play off of. Number three, it was surprising to see Ukulele still only commit to a 2017 release date on Switch. Now, if you were a backer of Ukulele, I happen to be, uh, you've been following for a while that, you know, when they did announce that they're basically moving Wii U to Switch, like Wii U version not happening anymore, they apologize, they're sorry. Uh, you can move to Switch at no cost, and it was something you could arrange as a backer. So it's been a known thing, a known quantity, at least among the backers for Ukulele, that, yeah, a Switch version is going to be made. It won't make the Ukulele launch, but it'll be coming. And so this was the perfect place to make news. 
I mean, just to say to the public, oh yeah, we're it's confirmed, ukulele on Switch. Well, we knew that. What we really wanted is to say, lock down the release date. Tell us when. You know, make the news there. And they didn't, even though Damon Baker said, oh, it's rolling on a Nintendo Switch very soon. Okay, it it brings multiplayer. I mean, you could tell the uh, the British development of saying it brings ace multiplayer. <laughs> and we're watching in the States. It's like, not exactly something we'd say, but okay, we get it. All right. Yeah, I think Ukulele just missed a chance to really make some news and, you know, have it be very notable to say that like we've we finally locked down the release date. And then, you know, the backers could follow it up and, and be excited because I'm starting to see some doubts. I mean, some people want to keep Ukulele on a Nintendo platform, but they're gonna have to miss the launch. And, you know, as someone who's waited for that game for so long, I'm happen to be getting it on PC. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to wait even longer for just multiplayer, but you know, maybe down the line, if I'm like, I want to take that game portably, I, I might just buy a second copy. I mean, since my backer copy is already accounted for and all. Number two, Stardew Valley is meant for Nintendo Switch. And this is coming from someone who passed on the game on PC and was hesitant to pick it up on console because we talked about it on an earlier episode of this show where Stardew Valley makes too much sense. It makes too much sense to take this portably. And, you know, some people may want to just sit on their PC and play, and and that's fine. But it's begging to be portable, to just pick up any time, to let's maintain your farm or build the relationships or do anything else that you can in that game. I mean, Stardew Valley made big waves last year. And even just a, a week or two ago, say it passed the, uh, the one-year anniversary of that game, which is really surprising to think about. But... To get it on Switch, I think that may be where I jump into it because I've seen way too many good things, but I didn't have the patience to sit at the PC or even sit on the console. But Stardew Valley seems meant for Nintendo Switch. And when you're saying that it's going to be the first version of the game to have playable multiplayer, I mean, this is this is where you take advantage of, of these games. You have the multiplayer, have these Switch features that it's meant to have. So... Yeah, I think I'm going to finally jump in on Stardew Valley on Nintendo Switch. And and that's that's really exciting. But what's also even more exciting is that it really just shows the potential for an Animal Crossing title. I mean, a similar kind of game where you're maintaining this space. I mean, not that, you know, your village is a farm in Animal Crossing, but you're still developing those relationships and not for marriage purposes or anything like that. That would be really weird. But for the, the pick up and play anytime, anywhere sort of potential that a portable game. I mean, it showed why Animal Crossing worked on DS with Wild World. And that could just be even better with better graphics and the like on Nintendo Switch. So Stardew Valley, yes. Animal Crossing, wait for it. But yeah, very yes. But ultimately, my number one takeaway, and I referenced it in the Call of Video Game Review 64 there, Nintendo Switch really has taken up the PlayStation Vita mantle. And aside from these games that were just announced in this indie showcase, I mean, you had more games announced. I mean, you had Snake Pass, you had Jackbox Party Pack 3, you had Terraria, Enter the Gungeon, Thumper, Towerfall Ascension, just to name several that were announced either via that sizzle reel or social media. And that was more exciting, as I said, just to to see these game developers finally have the liberty. It's almost like the chains were lifted. Like they were now less than a few days away from the launch of the system. Now we're finally allowed to confirm that, yes, we're working on Switch games. Not when they confirmed that Switch existed and was a thing, you know, the big Japan event 
you know, when they really needed to show that, yes, games are coming to the system. Now we can talk about indies. So maybe that was an odd misstep there. But it's nice to see those shackles lifted. And it's really good to see that Switch is just the perfect machine for these kind of indie games. That it doesn't rely on the beefy AAA power. But instead it sells you on the portability of the game. The use of local multiplayer. And its other advantages, like HD Rumble. Now, yeah, most games won't take advantage of the HD Rumble. As I mentioned, it was even a surprise that Overcooked did so. I mean, because that that takes some bold intuitiveness to make that work for your game. I just think we have to be cautious about the overabundance of software, at least potentially speaking, uh, especially with the news that just happened in the last week. Uh, It was actually a terrible headline by Kotaku. But there's a rhythm game called Voez. And it's, it's a Japanese game and it's coming to Switch, but it's a game that only uses the touchscreen. And what people are saying, well, if you put the Switch in a dock, you can't use the touchscreen. And that's why they say, well, actually, yeah, that's why it's a game that doesn't support TV mode. Some people are thinking, oh no, doom and gloom. That means it's going to exacerbate and you're going to get games that should work for both, but they won't and all that. Well, no, not necessarily. This opens up just to a new market of games. So you're seeing people say, well, yeah, what about like a new elite beat agents maybe? I mean, that uses the touchscreen, but you don't want to write it off completely just because it has to have TV mode. People are also worried about, oh, well, what about these you know, terrible tablet ports? And so I think that's where I have to be a little cautious about this. I mean, when you open it up to indies, you don't want it to become another app store situation. Or you look at the PlayStation Store. Now, granted, not everyone's developing for Vita. So I think Vita, we compare Switch to Vita in a way. I think Vita was spared this because not everyone was developing for it. But for PS4... When you get things like Life of Black Tiger or games that are just vomit piles, in essence, uh, put onto the store. Yeah, you don't want that. Uh, you want to kind of maintain a quality of your store, and that, that's really important. But I think you also want the flexibility of the Switch platform. And to say that, you know, there will be some games that are touchscreen only and won't have TV support, I think that's okay. That's fine. It kind of opens up the breadth of games that are possible on the system. Uh, You just have to be careful of quality control and not an overabundance there. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think it's, for me, really exciting to have Nintendo Switch take up what Vita has been doing for a long time here, but just with enhanced first-party support from Nintendo and just a bright future ahead of it, really. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you like a YouTube video to watch, uh, we've had Max Roberts on the show before. He's from the Millennial Gaming Speak podcast. Uh, he has a blog called Go Left Gaming. And I wanted to give a video that he did, uh, you know, some special credit here because we're, you know, almost 24 hours away from the launch of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And so Max over at Go Left Gaming on YouTube did the history of Breath of the Wild, kind of looking at 
it's really almost been seven years, six, seven years in a way, for the development of Breath of the Wild and the different steps that it went. He kind of goes year by year basis to talk about what was the next step, the talk of the next Zelda, all the way back from the Zelda demo at the Wii U reveal, you know, that kind of HD looking Twilight Princess look that, you know, we were all so enamored with at the time. All the different development steps. Uh, Max did a great job and, uh, you know, kudos to him. I really enjoyed that video. So I think you should go watch it at least if you're waiting for Breath of the Wild to be released, if you're having to listen to it at that time. So yeah, hopefully if you have the Switch, you are enjoying it. If you're waiting, you know, the wait won't be too much longer. Uh, there's There's a lot to be excited about. So I know I'm definitely going to take some time. Maybe we'll get a chance in to put a recording in there, but I may just be bogged down in Zelda. I'm, I'll tell you what, I've been waiting for that game for so long, and I, I really can't wait uh, ever since it got announced. So I'm, I'm going to be digging into that for sure. But definitely stay tuned to our Discord channel and on Twitter to see that when that develops, when we announce our next episode. Regardless, whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I am Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.